It's a college baseball Tuesday. Tennessee lost twice. We're coming up on rivalry week and some college hitters decided to make themselves some money in the upcoming draft. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And what a wild week of college baseball we just had. We got to start off with the number one team in the country, Tennessee. So Tennessee had a midweek last Tuesday against Tennessee Tech where they decided, since the game was scheduled to be in the AA Tennessee Smokies Stadium, that they would just go ahead and do, use wooden bats. How'd that work out for them? Well, they lost 3-2. to two. Uh, Offense looked pretty uh, pretty anemic. And then they got to conference play, and I think there may have been a little bit of a hangover. They lost uh, Thursday night's series starter to, to Alabama 6-3 to three with you know normal college rules. So 12-0 start to conference play. Best record anybody's had to start the SEC play. Um... Uh, Ended on Thursday night. Now they come back. They beat Alabama 9-2 and then 15-4. They won the series. Looked a lot like what you expect. They're still number one in the country. Crazy weekend though. Uh, Coach Tony Vitello got ejected. Got suspended. The pitching coach Frank Anderson got ejected. Got suspended. Uh, Vitello got thrown out and got mad about it. And chest bumped an umpire. Kind of can't do that. Uh, four, Four game suspension. He's going to miss the first two games of the upcoming series this weekend. Just wild, wild scene. But big takeaway there is 14-1 start. The start SEC play at the halfway mark is pretty good. Uh, and unless, barring a catastrophic collapse, which should not happen. This is still the number one offense in baseball. Barring a catastrophic collapse, they'll be hosting a regional uh, and in line to host a super regional as well and probably going to Omaha. Um, outside of that, Virginia Tech took two or three against Miami. So this is really interesting now. So Virginia Tech, second in home runs behind Tennessee. They average like 9.4 runs a game. Just ridiculous offense. Here's how ridiculous this is. Seven players for Virginia Tech have an OPS of over 1,000. Seven players have an OPS of over 1,000. They're out here putting up low A video game numbers. It's ridiculous. So, uh, they're going up against Miami. They've got, uh, Miami's got Carson Palmquist for game one. Uh, Carson Ligon for game two. Uh, both get knocked out early. Palmquist gives up six runs on ten hits and less than four innings. Ligon gives up nine runs, eight earned on nine hits. He gets knocked out in the fourth as well. And so, Miami won the finale eight to five. But still, uh, Virginia Tech is something there. Like I said, 76 home runs. Just absolutely great weekend. They're wearing out opposing pitching. And their, their, their pitchers have started to show that they have what it takes to make a deep run as well. They had a, they had a freshman in game two. Eight innings, two runs, one earned run against Miami. That game one was three runs and six innings from Griffin Green. And so, looking for a little bit of more depth. They've lost three straight uh, series finales. Looking for that third guy. But, still, 
looking to be a formidable opponent in the ACC tournament and in postseason play. And then when it comes to the ACC, Miami is still three and a half games up in the ACC because they've had a pretty good slate so far. Uh, just the way that everything kind of lined up. So RPI actually got better. That's something where where because of some of the non-conference games they've had and some of the you know the out-of-conference stuff, um, they went up. So three and a half games ahead of Louisville, three and a half games ahead of North Carolina State. I mean, they went to a difficult place. They lost a series against a difficult team. It happens. They've got four series to go. Uh, And so the questions now for them is same thing. Two guys get knocked out early. The third starter, Alejandro Rosario, doesn't really work super deep in the game. So you've got three guys that go kind of shallow, which means their bullpen's having to do a lot. Uh, And part of that is Carson Palmquist is a converted closer. We talked about this preseason. Let the man close. Let him throw two or three times in a weekend versus starting. You get him for five innings and he's done. Four innings and he's done. So Miami's got Pitt coming up. Uh, Pitt has won four straight series, but Miami is at home. Chance for them to get right. They're 19-4 and four at home. Uh, keep the momentum going to have the number one seed for the ACC tournament. Another big shakeup that we saw. So... We saw TCU in Texas Tech. You remember Texas Tech, early in the year, ranked team, number one player in Josh Young. So TCU goes in, and TCU's been struggling coming in. So uh, they lost seven of their last ten, had lost their last two series, West Virginia and Texas. And they're trying to stay, keep pace in the Big 12. Well, sweep the series. They sweep Texas Tech. It's their first time they've swept Texas Tech since they were since they joined the Big 12, so like 10 years ago. Uh, so now TCU is half a game out of first place in the Big 12. And the wild thing to me here, so we talk about this Texas Tech offense, how good these hitters are. The three starting pitchers for, t- for TCU combined to throw 17 and two-thirds innings, five runs, two earned runs in 17 and two-thirds innings. So... Um, not out of the woods yet. They are at number two Oklahoma State. <laughs> so, hey, no uh, no pressure, but go to the number two team's house. But if they can win this series, they can take over first place in the Big 12. And, you know, for a team that, that just lost back-to-back series, they are absolutely still in the conference race. Uh, just, I mean, it's something where there's so much parity in a lot of these major conferences. And... Part of me has to wonder how much of this is affected by guys going or not going after the lost 2020 season and guys using extra eligibility that they may or may not have had. So, very interesting. And then looking at the Pac-12, Sanford uh, won the series against UCLA, scored 24 runs against UCLA, which is the big thing because UCLA's uh, pitching staff, they were second in the nation in Team ERA. So, Really big here. Uh, Stanford wasn't really expected to have... Well, correction, like Stanford hadn't really shown the powerful offense we thought they were going to have until this. They only had like six runs per game going into the weekend. It was like seventh in the conference. And so they're through the toughest part of their schedule. They're 20-11 now, 11-7 and in conference. They've still got Cal and Utah, but they've played all of the other good teams in the conference, the UCLA's and all of that. So now they're going to look at a conference title, hosting a regional. It'll be the fifth straight time they've done that. And in just a minute, I want to preview some of the great games coming up 
this weekend. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. Uh, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and your sports info. Uh, you can find the latest sports developments, league reviews and news. You got the NBA playoffs going on. Obviously, MLB is in full swing right now. So BetOnline, again, continued source for all your sports wagering information. They've got live betting. They've got playoff stuff. They've got esports. You can bet on politics on there. I saw the Brazilian presidential election up there. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because BetOnline is where the game starts. So this weekend couple interesting matchups. First one, let's talk about one of the ranked matchups this weekend. So, TCU-Oklahoma State. Mentioned it earlier. Uh, Again, Oklahoma State, half game advantage over TCU in the Big 12 standings. Both of them coming off big weekends. I mentioned TCU swept Texas Tech. Oklahoma State won a series at West Virginia, which is not necessarily the, uh, the easiest thing to do. They won two of three in Morgantown. So this is like this is TCU's biggest remaining challenge of the season in conference play is this series. If TCU can win this, they are in the driver's seat uh, in the Big 12 and like Stanford in the Pac-12 have passed the hard part of the schedule and they have easy teams they can beat up on after this. So TCU absolutely has a chance uh, to, to take the lead in the conference Oklahoma State absolutely can solidify themselves at the top if they can take the series. Uh, Big thing here, rivalry weekend. So there's a bunch of big series coming up. You've got your Ohio State at Michigan. You've got your Navy at your Army. A lot of the big stuff like that. You don't have every single rivalry. Georgia Tech and Georgia already played. Um, Auburn and Alabama have not played yet. But a couple interesting ones I do want to point out because they're, they're... either different than usual or they're more impactful than usual. So the first one, Mississippi State at Old Miss. So Mississippi State is 21 and 16 overall, 6 and 9 in the conference, fresh off of a week, a series win at home against Auburn. Uh, they went 2 and 1 against Auburn, won game 1, walked them off, it was a walk-off walk, bases loaded walk in the ninth. Um stopped, you know, killed a rally in game 2. Uh after they got to a big lead, Auburn tried to come back and win it and then dropped game 3 behind Auburn had eight innings of two-run ball from starter Joseph Gonzalez, a guy we're going to be talking about more as we get closer to the draft. Uh, but Ole Miss, meanwhile, 21-14, and 5-10 and 10 in the SEC. So what's weird here, unlike usual, is this is the last place game in the SEC. And whoever loses this series is probably going to finish last in the SEC West. So it's the same intensity that these teams always have but I feel like there's a little bit more stakes there because neither team wants to be known as the worst team in the West so going to be really interesting to see what happens there and then Arizona State at Arizona so Arizona State's 18 and 19 8 and 7 in the conference Um, Arizona's 24 and 12 so 11 and 7 but Arizona has lost the last two series I think it was like at Washington State and then Utah and they're no longer in first place in the Pac-12. That's Stanford. And so, like, Arizona needs to get back on track. And, oh, hey, we're going to do that by our, having our biggest rival in our house for three games. So, it's one of those things we always we always kind of talk about that in rivalry games. You kind of have to throw the records out the window. Uh, those teams will play a lot closer to each other than, than, than usual because of the intensity of a rivalry game. And then the third thing I want to do, 
is it is now blind resume time for Omaha. So I'm going to give you two teams. I'm going to try to put the graphic up on the screen uh, and and give you two teams and let you guess which team is which and why you want to watch this matchup. So team one, 27-9 record, 6-0 in the conference, RPI of 24, strength of schedule of 62. Okay? Team two, 31-5, and in the uh, record, 6-0 in the conference as well, RPI of 25, strength of schedule of 155. And and this graphic and these stats are courtesy of College Baseball Nation on Twitter. Uh, but if you are, if you think these are two really good teams and you want to watch this, well, I am in, you are in luck because Wofford is hosting Mercer this weekend. So this is to figure out who's going to win the Southern Conference. Uh, they have both swept... The first two weekends of conference play, this is being played in Macon at Mercer's house. Uh, and like you saw, both of these teams, top 25 of RPI. So they're probably, they're both on track to reach the tournament. But this matchup is probably going to decide the conference title. Mercer won it in 2017. Wofford's never won it. This is their opportunity to do that. The winner of this weekend series is probably going to be the team that decides it. I believe this is televised on ESPN Plus, so you can watch that over the weekend around your minor league baseball watching. And in just a minute, I do want to talk about, speaking of watching minor league baseball, some of the college hitters who are going to be draft eligible who have made a name for themselves this year in college baseball and are climbing draft boards. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. So, When you need a part for your car, you go into a chain auto parts store and they're going to ask you a ton of questions about your car. They're going to ask you, you know, the model, like obviously the the make and the model, but then the trim, the special packages it might have, you know, is it an LX or an EX, all of that good stuff. And then when you get done, they're going to walk back to the dark back half of the building where the lights are off and not have your part. And they're going to have to ship it to your house. Instead of doing all of that, Having to get there because you need a car part. Your car may not even work. Having to get to the auto parts store, all of that stuff, just use Rock Auto. You can save time and money while doing it because Rock Auto is a family business that has been serving DIYers for over 20 years. Reliable low prices for every customer. They have things in stock. It's a very simple process. I had to buy touch-up paint for my wife's car. And very simple. I put in the make and the model of the year. It popped up all of the options. And it's, it showed me a picture of the sticker inside the door. And it said, right here is where you will see this, find this sticker. This little section of the sticker right here, this is the code that tells you what the color is. So bring that code and punch it in here and we'll tell you exactly what color your car is. Uh, and I punch it in, boom, kit pops up. Everything you need to, to, you know, clean, you know, to, to clean the spot, touch it up, seal it, everything. Done. Ship to my house. Quick, easy, simple. So, go explore the website. Put in your car. You can see all of the things that they carry for your car. They probably carry most of the stuff your car your car needs. Uh, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, whatever it might be. So, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at Rock Auto. So, talking about some of these college hitters, because we've had this conversation now on this pod 
time and time and time again about how so many of the college pitchers have been hurt or otherwise unavailable. And this draft class, like of the four components of the draft class, uh, prep hitters, prep pitchers, college hitters, and college pitchers, college pitching is the weakest of the four. Well, college hitting is one of the deeper of the four. You've had a ton of guys who are just now getting to their eligibility for the draft, as well as a bunch of upperclassmen who have absolutely just destroyed this year and are putting themselves into this conversation. So first one, I want to talk about a guy that I've seen personally, Sonny DeShera, first baseman at Auburn. They call him the Thick King, Thick with two C's. And transfer in from Sanford, brought uh, Brooks Carlson with him. And good hitter at Sanford. He hit 41 home runs in three seasons there. Uh, But he transferred up from the Southern Conference to the SEC. And despite that, his numbers have gotten better. He's batting 452, 595, 946, 13 doubles, 11 home runs. And he's got twice as many walks to strikeouts, 30 to 15. He started almost every game that he's played at first base. Uh, He was out for a few games with foot injury. One start at DH. All the rest have been at first base. And he's played a good first base. He is a, you know, he is... He is a guy who can he can play the field. He can hit for power. He can hit for average. He can get on base, obviously. Um, a guy that can do a lot and is going to hear his name called in November. Uh, not November, in July. So um, absolutely a guy who can make a lot of noise at the next level. Uh, going along with that, J- uh, Jake Gelliff, the third baseman from Virginia. I mean, he hit like last year. 252, 336, 468, four home runs. All of them were in the postseason. This year, whole nother level. 398, 503, 894, 10 doubles, 14 home runs, uh, 54 RBIs. Uh, You remember his brother was a second round pick last year and Jake's numbers are better than his brother's were. Any numbers his brother had. So, really big there. Um, Dominic Johnson out of Kansas State, the outfielder. So, um, started Oklahoma State last year, two for 13 his freshman year. Transferred to Kansas State, 392, 455, 600. 15 doubles, seven of nine in stolen bases. Uh, Trey Lipscomb. Trey Lipscomb's the story here and part of the reason Tennessee's had such a great year. So, Trey Lipscomb, first three seasons at Tennessee, just under 70 at-bats, okay? This season... As a full-time starter playing every day. 373, 446, 831 slugging. 13 home runs, 51 RBIs. Just absolutely crushes balls as a corner infielder. Plays a pretty decent third base too. So one of those guys where something just had to click. And it finally clicked. And once it did, he's a monster. Absolutely eligible to be, to be drafted. The way this Tennessee team has looked... He feels to me like a guy that depending on how that season goes, if for some reason they don't do the whole thing, they don't win the whole dang thing, he may come back. He may come back and play again. Uh, But just absolutely has shot up draft boards this year. Um, Ben Metzinger, the third baseman for Louisville. So first three years, uh, he, he started in 2020 for 11 games. Good year, 349. Obviously, season got canceled. Wasn't a starter last year. 2022, back to starting again. 344, 478, 720 slash line. 13 home runs, 41 RBIs, 
More walks than strikeouts, 31 to 24. Stolen bases, 8 for 8. Hadn't been caught stealing once. So, a third baseman who steals bases. Not a thing you hear a ton. Excited to hear about it. A guy who um, we were asking about where all of Louisville's offense was going to come. He's a, he's a guy who was bringing in offense for Louisville. Uh, Derek Orndorff, the outfielder for Liberty. So, uh, spent two seasons at Penn State. Transferred to Division II to Seton Hall, which is apparently is in Pennsylvania. Never knew that. Uh, two more seasons there. And then transferred back up to D1. Now, had a good season at Seton Hall last year. 353, 15 home runs. But transferred up. He's facing better pitching because he's a whole conference up. Or a whole, you know, Division II to Division One. Still, 355, 528, 785, 12 home runs. And for a while there, right after, Brad, uh, right after Tommy Tanks and right before Brad Malm, friend of the show, uh, he was, Derek Orndorff was actually leading the country in homers for a little stretch there in March. Uh, so a bunch of college hitters who are draft eligible, who are going to hear their name called sooner rather than later that have built their position up this year. Stay tuned this week. We've got a great week of shows coming up. Uh, really excited for Wednesday's show. We are talking with Sully from Locked on MLB, talking all just a wide ranging conversation. Very excited. Um, to bring that to you. But until then, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects. Um.